1: Welcome in, friends, to what is frankly an overdue edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nabeau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score, the I'm Fat podcast of best-selling authorship, and potential father of the year. Are you Are you up for that award this year, Jay? I feel like you should be,
2: man. <laughs> Absolutely not. no i am not up for that uh by any means but thanks for tuning in yes this is overdue uh but as most hockey fans are realizing there's nothing happening in hockey but we got a little bit of stuff to get to it looks like hockey is uh, the nhl is closer to uh their target date of january 13th we're going to get into that a black stirring in my loins oh yeah we're
1: getting closer
2: a blackhawks prospect has tested positive for covid so that's not great we got a whole bunch of stuff to get to first want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast you can email us madhousepod at gmail.com we're on twitter at madhousepod instagram at madhouse underscore pod and we're on facebook obviously madhouse hockey ch i make sure you visit our patreon page patreon.com slash madhouse pod if you'd like to financially support the podcast and we've got a merchandise shop open madhousepodmerch.com powered by our friends at triple threat sports triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 if they can wear it no if they can yes no if you can wear it they can make it (laughs) i've said that for like six years and it's the first time i screwed that up if you can wear it they can make it. Go to madhousepodmerch.com. We've got Madhouse hoodies, T-shirts, tank tops, everything you can imagine with the Madhouse logo on it and more stuff to come. But with that, James, let's start. Uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, along with several other people, have said the league is likely targeting a January 13th start date. That's pushed back about two weeks from the, I guess, the thought a couple months ago of maybe January 1st. Of course, when you're dealing with covid Everything is sort of arbitrary. Everything is sort of a guess. But the 13th is just over a month from now, and training camps would start on the 28th for those teams that did not make the playoffs, the bubble playoffs. So I don't know. There's still a long way to go, but having a date. And I think the most important thing to note from this is the league and the Players Association have moved on from that sort of contract stalemate. They wanted the players to defer and all this stuff, and the players were like, no, you just signed a CBA in July. It's not our fault. You didn't read it. Screw you. No. And they said, okay, you're right. Yeah. Screw us. Yeah, we're going to move on.
1: That definitely is the most important thing. I know there was a lot of kind of he said he said going on with the uh, CBA that they had agreed to before they went into the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. The ownership was trying to get the players to walk some of that back, and I'm really glad that the players kind of – you know, they they kept the line. They did not want to move off of that. They did not, it sounds like those financial issues are kind of behind them now and they're kind of working through, you know, dotting some I's, crossing some T's, doing what they need to do to get started. And just so our listeners are kind of aware, the way that this is kind of setting up right now is that the league would start back on January thirteenth. Does not sound like there would be any exhibition games whatsoever. So you're talking about probably December 28th, roughly, for a start to training camp is what it sounds like, at least according to uh, Sportsnet and according to ESPN. The preference of the league still seems to be to do the regional schedule where you would have four different divisions. You would have teams only play within their divisions, probably bunch up games, kind of like the NBA did with the first half of their season. The preference is to try to avoid having a hub city situation. However, According to Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, that is still on the table, however. So I'm interested to see how that all works out. I know the the way the NBA kind of got around it is they only did the first half of their schedule, and they're going to kind of give themselves some flexibility on how they're going to schedule things beyond that. I'm assuming the NHL will probably go in a similar direction, but with the way that COVID numbers have been going up in so many places, you're probably not going to get... An answer on how all 56 games are going to be played. I just think they're going to want to get things started. And I think the most likely scenario right now does seem to be kind of those regional divisions and limited travel, and then every team playing in their own arenas. Yeah,
2: it's going to be interesting. And I wonder, you know, the hope is, and I like the division format, that's going to be a lot of fun for one year. Screw it. Let's do it YOLO. Just play the same teams over and over again, and you'll have some pretty intense games. Um, But what you said about the NBA is you don't have to announce your whole season's plan yet. As the vaccine becomes more available, as, you know, people start getting vaccinated, the numbers are going to go down. Uh, You know, we have to assume, even though it's probably not a great look, that sports leagues will get some share of those vaccines. So they're able to play and are able to remain successful. And we've talked about this before. Part of it for me is, of course, you want citizens to get their vaccines Obviously, I don't think sports athletes should take precedent over your everyday person like you or me, James, but I think there is some value in as people are coping with, you know, month 10, month 11 of this pandemic to have the release of sports to have that escape is valuable. And I think that's sort of how I justify things in my head with that is, okay, well, if these teams are playing, at least gives people something to do, something to keep them at home, something to keep them entertained. And I think that could be helpful. Um, but kind of my point is, though, you don't have to decide everything today or next week or whatever. You could say, look, uh, here's our plan for the first 20 games, okay? Okay. And we'll see where we're at after 20 or whatever arbitrary number you want to throw out there, 25, 30, whatever it would be. And then we'll reevaluate as the season goes on. Look, if it's April and the vaccine is widespread and, and this thing is basically gone, maybe they'd consider half capacity arenas or whatever. You know, There, I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Uh, and I think just sort of taking your time, doing the best thing in that moment is the way to go. And if it does mean that the first three weeks or whatever, is in a number of hub cities, that's something they should consider. It's not ideal. It's not great. But if it gets hockey played, I think more people will be signed up for that than not. Yeah, that's the thing I'm probably most curious about
1: is just what is the breaking point for the players in terms of when you would say, okay, we want to do a hub city for X number of games or X number of weeks or whatever it is. Like, I wonder what that point would be. Would it be, look, you play in a hub for three weeks. We're going to have four of them, one for each of these regions. You're going to play, you know, kind of frequent games. You know, try to get in, like you said, Jay, probably like 10, 15, maybe 20 of your games in those hubs and like kind of see where, again, the availability of vaccine is going to be. There are a lot of companies who are coming through with vaccines, obviously stepping up production rapidly on them. A lot of people hopefully will be getting those vaccines by the time February, March, April rolls around. I, I think that what it seems like to me is that the NHL, if they want to start earlier than you know the, the earlier the better obviously that they want to start i think the best way to do that is probably going to be going the hub city route i think that inviting travel especially in a time like this when the virus is still so widespread and there's so many places in the country that medical facilities are being overrun there's lots of cases lots of illness lots of death i think that they probably would be better off going to the hub city format. And the, one of the things that I found interesting about the way Greg wasinski framed the uh, arguments in terms of hub cities is that the league has very specific guidelines about what they're going to want for these hub cities. It's not just going to be which, team, which cities have a lot of hotel availability and all those other things. An important thing is going to be having an availability of rinks for practices And it seems like the NHL wants them to be in extremely close proximity, which is why they're kind of favoring places like Las Vegas, like Columbus, like those types of cities. It doesn't seem like they're interested necessarily in coming to Chicago for... A hub and I thought that that was kind of an interesting uh little side note that washinsky had made of what exactly the league was looking for in those places.
2: Yeah, and I think those teams that share uh, facilities with NBA teams or whatever else, um, avoiding that could be a good idea. Of course, that would eliminate Chicago. What I would like to know, and I haven't seen this addressed anywhere, is if let's just say let's use Chicago for an example. They don't want to use the United Center if there's no fans. Why can't they use the Allstate Arena? Why can't they use um, you know, why can't they use the practice facility on what is it on Jackson, the MB Arena or whatever it's called now? Yeah. Why can't they just put up a camera loft in there and use that? It's NHL size ice, it's got NHL benches, NHL locker rooms. I mean, if there's no fans involved, you could really just say this arena is for NHL use only. And shut it down for that amount of time that's the thing but but i wonder you know the way contracts are signed signed the way things are negotiated are teams allo- are nhl teams allowed to play in buildings that aren't deemed nhl buildings that's a question i would like answered i'm going to try to get that answered by the next podcast because there are there's no shortage of arenas around chicago and around the united center you could find a bunch of yeah. ice surfaces to play at it's well, just some a teams matter are of... even
1: going so far as to say they're considering playing outdoor games. You have, you have reports that the Anaheim Ducks and the Boston Bruins and several other teams have looked at outdoor venues to potentially not only obviously play games, but also to potentially have fans in the seats for those games because theoretically an outdoor setting would be a lot safer than an indoor setting and I found that very interesting when a place like Fenway Park is getting floated as a scene for not just obviously a showcase game like the Winter Classic or the Stadium Series but for multiple, several, potentially even your full home slates in that first third or that first half of the season when we're kind of looking for places for the NHL to play. That apparently is something that some teams have been exploring and it seems to me that would be cost prohibitive, but it would also be super cool if like, the Bruins had to play like their first five or ten home games at Fenway Park. Yeah,
2: but then are we – I guess if it's just the first few, because you don't want to start – then you're going to start dipping into baseball season if they're going to start anywhere close to on time, uh, which they probably won't. But still, I that to me, it sounds great, and it would be entertaining. You know, I, I love chaos uh, more than anything, but that seems really – unrealistic like we know how difficult getting a single winter classic game off the ground is because is it too sunny is it too rainy is it too hot is it too cold to have to constantly maintain an ice surface outdoors that almost becomes that's untenable that's really difficult to do I would love to see it I'm not pushing against it I just don't know how realistic that is I think the right answer is you find these arenas that are the home arenas of teams that don't have cohabitants Detroit, Columbus, etc and make those the hub cities. Look, Detroit could sure use the the boost in the arm. I have in the NHL there. you know it's not like there's a lot else going on there right now. But Michigan I do think
1: Detroit shares with the Pistons now
2: do they they play in the
1: i believe the pistons now play at little caesars oh
2: i did not know that well i'm not an nba guy so i'm pretty proud (laughs) of not knowing that and who
1: would know anything about the (laughs) pistons anyway right
2: well anyway the, the point being you know find those arenas where you can have it to yourself and make those the hubs for the time that to me is the most realistic and as far as fans go just keep them away just stop it's fine The playoffs went by, it was fine. It was a little bit different, but it was fine. We don't need to potentially extend this thing just to have fans in there for appearances. I know they want the money. I know they want the revenue, but guess what? You know what's gonna bring in a lot of revenue? A fully functional 2021-22 NHL season that starts on time with full crowds and they have to do everything they can to get to that point. We are so close here with the vaccine. We're so close. Let's just be smart for the next few months. Get through it. We've gotten this far. We can go a little bit more, a few more weeks. And as the vaccine starts to become distributed, things are going to get better. Let's just be patient. Everybody, not just the leagues, but just people listening. We can do this. I know it sucks. I know it's hard. But man, just do the smartest thing you can. I watch those college football games and it's ridiculous. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. And I could not enjoy that win over Clemson because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going on? This undefeated Notre Dame team that just knocked off number one is surrounded by hundreds of students with their masks around their chins, grabbing them and screaming and yelling. It's like, oh, dear Lord, this whole thing's going to get derailed. And it's just just be safe. Do the smart thing. You don't need fans. You, you can survive without fans for a little while.
1: I have been enjoying watching Illini basketball games and watching Brad Underwood take his mask off to yell at his players and then putting it back on.
2: Oh, that's fun. I love that. <laughs> the like, The NFL, the college football coaches are the worst, but like Sean Payton is another one yep. with the mask always down. Did I, I told a story on the I'm Fat podcast. I don't think I told it here. I was in Costco like two months ago, and a woman was checking out. She pulled her mask off to sneeze and then put it back on. It's like, what?
1: That sort of defeats the entire purpose. <laughs> For everybody. Like, what are you doing? My, my wife wanted to potentially buy a mask that had a hole in it so you could, like, use a straw. And I was like, babe, you do realize that kind of defeats the entire purpose of a mask, right? And she's like, yeah, but it looks cool. I'm like, no, it, it looks like you're just, you know, ignoring reality. But whatever, you do you, babe. It looks I can creepy. say that because
2: she rarely listens to the show. Oh good, okay. I won't tell her. I'm definitely not <laughs> texting her rights. No I mean yeah, I did, I did just recount the, the
1: conversation as I had it, so <laughs> I guess I wouldn't get in too much trouble.
2: No, you would not. I, I, your wife is a is a good and and patient woman, and, and I think she'd forgive you because yeah, she no has job. for so. Everybody,
1: everybody <laughs> knows how patient she has to be to put up with me.
2: Yeah, for so many other violations, this would not be the worst one. Uh, uh, Jay,
1: I got to be honest with you. There is something that this reminds me
2: of. What's that? She puts up with me because I smell good because I use Doctor Swatch oh, products. Look at the Segway guy here, man, James yeah dr squatch i've been talking about dr squatch we've been talking about dr squatch for what close to six months now uh great partnership we have with dr squatch all natural made in the usa soap hair care toothpaste i finally got my deodorant shipment yesterday james i keep smelling my armpits i'm not kidding my wife looked at me today like what are you doing i'm like this deodorant smells really good she said you're an idiot you're an ass. Get out of my face. I'm like, okay. Were you
1: doing it like in the superstar way where you were sticking your hands? No, I was literally armpits? putting my
2: arm up and burying my nose in my armpit. I
1: it's, think you literally just did it.
2: I did it. I truly did it on the air. That was the Fresh Falls deodorant I'm wearing. So anyway, if you haven't heard us, Dr. Squatch, what are we talking about? Like I said, a natural made in the USA soap company. I posted a video on the Madhouse podcast Instagram yesterday at Madhouse underscore pod of me unboxing my latest shipment. There you get a good look at the bricks of soap. They are phenomenal, and here's the thing: we're recording this on December eighth. The holidays are close. I'm warning everybody. For, I know this from shipping out my book. The postal service is absolutely slammed right now. So if you're going to order something that needs to be mailed, the time is now. And Doctor Squatch is the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy-for person in your life. I'm always struggling to get my dad something. You know what? what he does, he likes to garden but you know he's kind of a homebody doesn't have much to do and i always need that last little thing to sort of knock the gift home this year he and everybody in my life is getting a bar of soap from doctor squatch and they're going to be thrilled so go to drsquatch.com when you're ready to check out enter that promo code madhouse20 you're going to save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time and of course we greatly appreciate all the help you've been giving us over the months quick recommendations uh, check out the deodorant. It's great. My favorite scent of the soap is the cool fresh aloe. It's amazing. The cold brew cleanse is great too. And their flagship soap is the pine tar. It's got hunks of oatmeal in it for the exfoliation. Oh, it's great. Those are my three favorite But take that Squatch quiz, they'll help you find what's right for you. When you're ready to check out again, use that promo code madhouse20 at drsquatch.com. You will be very, very happy. All right, James, off the top, we uh, teased a little bit of news here uh blackhawks first round pick lucas reichel uh who was getting ready to go to the world junior championships for team germany tested positive for covid he is symptom free he is home and quarantining but he will miss the world junior championships and while that doesn't sound like a huge deal the world junior championships are something that these young players strive for it's something that they take very very seriously and to miss out on the highest level of competition for someone in Lucas Reichel's position, that is sort of a big loss. And I'm I'm not concerned that it's going to stunt his development, but I think it certainly would have helped had he played and you see him against the greatest competition in his age group. I was really looking forward to watching him uh, in the tournament, and we're not going to be able to do that. That would have been our first real good look at Reichel, and uh, he's I guess we're going to have to wait until... Well, we're probably not going to because there's not gonna be a preseason. So we probably won't even get a look at Lucas Reichel until next year. Yeah, I mean you're probably
1: gonna have to, you know, watch him in the German elite league or whatever. Like that's probably gonna be the only place that you'll Get to watch him. I I'm obviously bummed out about it too. I was really interested to see how he did stack up against those players. It just shows kind of some of the obstacles that these teams are having to deal with and getting prepared for this tournament this season. The Blackhawks were also affected with Team USA's roster because they had multiple players from Boston University. They had goaltender Drew camesso They had defense They had Alex we Were both supposed to participate in the team's training camp in Buffalo for the junior championships, and both of them are now out of that because Boston University had an outbreak of COVID, and so those guys are sidelined for several weeks. So they're out of the mix for Team USA. So that's two more second-round picks of the Blackhawks that aren't going to be in this thing. As things stand right now, they do have four players that are participating in the World Juniors right now. They've obviously got Kirby Doc, who's with Team Canada. They do still have Landon Slaggart. He's going to participate for the U.S. And then they have a pair of checks. I wrote down Czechia, by the way, on my <laughs> notes here. So you know I'm on top of world geography and politics and stuff. You are. They have my- Michael Crutill and Michael Tepley are both Scheduled to participate for the checks. It
2: doesn't feel so, like Michael Tepley has been in the Blackhawk system for 45 years.
1: <laughs> it, it, that does not sound wrong. He almost <laughs> is like, I'm trying to think of a guy like Terry Broadhurst, right? Like a guy <laughs> that you constantly hear his name and you're just like, dude, are you ever going to show up? Like, what's going on here, man? He was drafted last year. I don't
2: know why. <laughs> i don't know why it definitely feels like he's been around forever
1: i think it's because we've had like a million michaels on the team like kempney and all of those guys like
2: that was like the year that dale Talon only drafted people that names ended in b it was like brower <laughs> bickle blunden like what are you doing Quit drafting. like is that as far as you got in your research like uh let's see he <laughs> just uh,
1: got bored reading uh, the scouting report.
2: aronson adamson uh, yeah we'll go to b these guys seem fine just take them
1: yeah, I forgot Michael Roosevelt. Can't forget him. I oh, mean, what was I thinking? Sky Point.
2: Well, he's not dead, but you know, Sky Point I, to the memory of Michael Roosevelt. He's not Kim Janssen. Dead. Confirmed. Not actually dead, but just don't ask. And you, if you ask, you end up dead.
1: I, I honestly, like, what the <laughs> hell happened to him?
2: Didn't someone. I thought Scott Powers found him and he was just like, I don't want to talk about it. Didn't that happen like within the pandemic? I'm not imagining this. I mean
1: you might be we all imagine things during this pandemic
2: well yeah that's true i'm looking this up because i think i really think that scott powers wrote about him and he's like
1: fortunate like just on this last bit about the world juniors it is really unfortunate how many leagues around the world are getting routinely stopped by COVID. philip kurashev hasn't played in almost two weeks because I think the Swiss league shut down too. And I think that's where he was at. And then obviously you've had some stoppages with the USHL. I know the Chicago steel have had to deal with that a few times. And then obviously the college season is kind of going in fits and starts too. So this COVID world for hockey below the NHL level has been pretty chaotic so far. And we're kind of seeing that now with
2: the world juniors. Okay. I found the story. I was right. This was written in April In April. And it's talking to everybody, like talking to Stan Bowman, talking to Joel Quinville, like where the hell is Kim Johnson? Uh Michael Russo from The Athletic talked to his agent in 2010, and his agent was like, oh, he still has concussion symptoms. There's just nothing... <laughs> There's just nothing about him. He can't be found. Here's what, here's what Scott Power said. I attempted to reach Janssen as well. The search began with three phone numbers once associated with him, provided by different people. None of the messages were returned. An old email from him came back as no longer existing. Curran, his agent, said he hadn't spoken to Janssen in years. Powers said, I then found his LinkedIn page. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: That, that would be the last place I would look.
2: He's just... Uh... Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. He's he. Oh wait, wait. Here we go. He did find him. I tracked down another potential email account for Janssen and sent a message. Eight minutes later, a reply arrived. I read hi scott i'm not interested all the best kim johnson <laughs> <laughs> i wrote back and asked whether i could ask if he was now fully completely healthy from his concussions and whether he had found f- fulfillment in his career after hockey i obviously wanted to ask a thousand other questions but i thought these would most likely get an answer he wrote back the next day that would be a yes on both questions winky face
1: Aw, <laughs> I like the ending to that story. A it few means days we can later, make fun of him for disappearing.
2: Yes, a few days later, he got a message that Yanson asked me kindly but firmly to tell you that he and his family have no wish to be back as a public person. They hope you respect his wish to remain a private person outside the media world. Thank you for understanding. Leave me alone. I'm Kim Yanson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was he like a super popular player in like his homeland? What I don't he was
2: good. It. Like when they got him he was it was a good move like he was a he was a sought after he wasn't like a, it would be like trading for like Connor Murphy or Calvin Dehan, like someone of that level it was someone that was definitely going to help them mm. and he then he got hurt and just disappeared and there were all these rumors of like wife stuff and oh my god you know how things get in the hockey world like for sure oh, we don't know what, what happened to a guy he must have done such and such with such and such his wife that's just how all stories end up <laughs> <sighs> anyway yeah uh, so lucas reichel is not going to be in the world junior championships
1: <laughs> wow that 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 went in a direction we were not probably expecting
2: you never know you never know where the podcast is going to go in june when we haven't seen hockey in months and literally nothing's happened as everyone's just sort of waiting for hockey to start i find our, myself our new
1: t-shirt available
2: soon at the uh
1: triple threat store will be where in the world is Kim Janssen?
2: I was thinking the meme of the uh, guy poking something with a stick that says do something <laughs> can we sell a shirt that has that and it's just like the NHL logo
1: we could we'd probably get in trouble for using
2: the shield but hey why not yeah, We'll just knock it off just ever so slightly you know like change the font or something Um mm, oh, man yeah I just find myself looking at Blackhawk social media like oh there's Anna Boak was posted Oh, it's just him watching Netflix. Damn it! Like, is anyone doing? I said, "Oh, Kirby Doc." Oh, Kirby Doc's playing NHL twenty with somebody.
1: Congrats okay. to Patrick Kane on having a baby. I guess.
2: Yeah, that was sort of out of the blue. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, Patrick Kane is a baby. Like, what? What? Can we draft him? <laughs>
1: <Is> that, <laughs> Class of twenty thirty eight. I think it'll yeah. be.
2: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's it's just been. I know, like our listeners are like, "There's nothing going on," and there's really not, aside from. This prospect news, some guys are playing. I know the Steel are playing. So some of the junior leagues are underway, but there's just not a ton to report on aside from this potential return to play and these COVID infections, which aren't great, but I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to a a potential return, obviously. And I, I feel maybe a little more confident about this than I would have had the return to play, excuse me, for the playoffs, not gone as well as it did. You know, I think the NHL, even though the players weren't totally in love with how it went, it sort of went off without a hitch. And you and I were both sort of equally impressed with, wow, the NHL of all leagues was able to pull this off with no positive tests and they got the Stanley Cup completed and won. So, hey, I now have some some faith and it's founded faith that they can get this thing done and that they're, they are actually considering all the angles and I wonder how much having the influence of the Canadian teams plays a role in that right because it's just a different level of expectation it's a diff- different level of tolerance to numbers and all those sort of things so I think that that could be helping them in making a more informed and probably safer decisions all around the board the longer they wait the more
1: full of picture they get honestly like right. this, obviously we are still seeing so many numbers that are pointed in the wrong direction. I know in Illinois, we're starting to at least see some hospitalization numbers go down and positivity rates are starting to go down, which is good, but it's unclear of what's causing that, whether it's like the mitigations or whether it's just fewer people getting tested or seeking treatment or whatever it is. So, you know, time is your friend when it comes to making informed decisions. But then that's why I think that, the league should at least be somewhat conservative especially in the early going of getting their season restarted which is why I still think you're seeing that uh hub city idea still floating around so I would definitely think that the league is going to strongly consider that and like you said earlier I'm totally fine with it if they want to do like 15 or 20 games and then say hey after 10 we'll see where we're at It's not that hard to, like, set the schedule. It's not like teams are prepping for three weeks to face the Vancouver Canucks. Like, you can set the schedule and say, hey, two weeks from today, we start this new set of the schedule, you're playing Vancouver, and that's fine in hockey. It's not like football where you have to start to kind of get those things together earlier. I think the league should take full advantage of that and do whatever it takes to get this started as safely and probably as conservatively as they can
2: yeah for sure i i totally agree and uh, and hopefully that's what happens and i have to say just gut feeling i do feel like the nhl is going about this the right way uh the financial angle of it aside i think they've done um a really good job they're being as transparent as they can be uh and look they're instead of rushing to start playing sooner they're taking their time and trying to make the smartest decision they have or at least it seems that way so to me it's all positive all right before we uh take a break we're gonna do some emails today on the other side of a break but there was a bit of an update on the blackhawks website from carter Baum, who covers the hawks for blackhawks.com uh some a conversation with assistant gm mark eaton about the development of some of the depen- defensive prospects but first we want to tell you about our friends at fry the coop and FrytheCoop.com. what's fry the coop only the best damn hot chicken you'll ever have in your entire life and that includes all the places in nashville there yeah i said it i said it fry the coop's better than all of them and if you're in prospect heights they just opened last week there was a car caravan wrapped around the block they were giving away free food for their soft opening and ran out of food that's how good fry the coop is Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Go to FrytheCoop.com. Check out all, all their locations, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, and like I just said, Prospect Heights. And Tinley Park will have a location, if not by the end of this year, by early next year. It's right there on uh, Harlem where the fajitas used to be. So that's coming very, very soon if you're in the, Orland, or the Tinley Park area. I can't wait because that will be the closest one to me. FrytheCoop.com. Pick up windows. The the Tinley Park one's going to have a drive through. You're going to love it. Frythecoop.com. Place your order. You drive up their pickup windows. Totally safe. Uh, It's delicious. You'll love it. Fry the coop. All right. James Carterbaum talked about uh, Ian Mitchell. He talked about Wyatt Kalnick. Uh, Alec Regula, who's a guy who I sort of have an eye on. That's a pretty decent prospect that we seem to sort of forget about. I think that's another guy who um, this year could get a look Mm -hmm. if things break the right way. Well, I mean, Assistant
1: GM uh, Mark Eaton, who got interviewed for Carter's piece, it is really good, by the way. If you want to check out the uh, Blackhawks.com website, they do have an excellent article about all three of these guys. And he was effusive in his praise, especially of Regula, who he said could be a potential shutdown guy in the NHL. How many guys do they have like that in their entire system right now? The answer is Not many. Yeah. So they definitely need to be rooting for that to end up coming to pass. And also hugely um, complimentary both of Wyatt and of Ian Mitchell as well. He called Ian Mitchell a really good two-way defenseman, which is obviously something the Blackhawks could definitely use. Uh, Praised the skating ability of Regula and Kalianuk. And he just is so – it was so great to read it because you're like, all right, this kind of sets the – Parameters of what we're looking at in a potential position battle between these three guys. Like, what are the Blackhawks going to be looking for in that fifth or sixth defenseman slot that one of these guys would move into? And it kind of was a great preview of what to kind of expect for that when training camp gets underway eventually.
2: And, you know, we've been talking a lot this offseason about this new Blackhawks transparency. I really like that they're letting their, you know, the guys who are in charge of the prospects talk about them. And tell us what to expect and tell us what they're showing. I just feel like, you know, team-wide, it's been more that way since they sort of made that decision. And it's nice to have that, you know, instead of these prospects being like these mystery names that we hear so much about, unless you're one of the limited few that watches AHL hockey or college hockey. I know our audience listens and watches a lot more than most people, but I still think the vast majority of people are NHL and that's it. So to get some insight on these guys before they arrive is great. It gives you something to look for. I, for one, am really excited about Ian Mitchell. And the closer the season gets, the more excited I get about watching him play. But again, Kelnick and and Regula and all these guys – Uh, They're they're gonna they're closer to the NHL than than I think a lot of people think. So and that's um, not
1: just because the Blackhawks are potentially doing the quote unquote rebuild or reload or whatever you want to call it. It is because they
2: are that close to being NHL ready. And it's funny, you know, we sort of we've talked a lot this offseason about where's that next core coming from, right? Where where is this? Okay, like we really like Kirby Doc. We're all pretty convinced he's going to be a really good player. A number one center, maybe not like an elite top 10 number one center, but a legit number one center, like a Jeff Carter type, maybe somebody like that. um But, you know, like we're still kind of eh, like, what's book was going to be? It's unclear what a lot of these prospects are going to be. And it's different for us because with Kane and with Taze, we knew right away. Like they came out and they were immediate stars, and the rest of the core was already established and it was just, you know, hit the gas, hit, hit the ground running this is a little bit different and this is a little more of a typical rebuild or sort of i guess you would say transition into the next era but if these young players pan out if doc and bookless are what they think they are right and then to remains closer to what we saw the first two years of his career and if strome continues to be who he is and all i know it's a lot of ifs but we've got a lot of positive evidence for all these names so far right so now it's a matter of Getting two or three of these defensive prospects to hit, I think Mitchell will hit. That seems pretty much like a certainty. But these Kelnick, these regular types, if they can hit two, now you're really talking. Now you've got a, a decent-looking core going forward for the next five to seven years. And that's, to me, that's what I'm looking forward to most this season. I saw some preseason projections about where the Hawks are going to be, and it's not good. I can live with that as long as... Bowman and Cowan are doing what they said they're going to do and deferring to development right if it if it's about development and it's about giving young players time to play I'm on board for some losses I really am I just want to see a full-on commitment to getting these guys who we're talking about to the next level and contributing
1: I will say that obviously part of the reason the Blackhawks are kind of projected to go down, at least in terms of points, is just because of the fact that they're looking to potentially be in a division with the Penguins and the Lightning and the Blues, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of rough. There are a lot of really good teams that could potentially be in a division with the Blackhawks, and that's not going to be easy. I also do want to point out that you mentioned Dylan Strom's name when you were kind of running down some of the younger guys that they need to have step up. That dude still isn't under contract yet. What the heck's going on, man? What are your sources telling you?
2: I have nothing on that. I really, I've asked, and it's just sort of like, yeah, it'll get done. Everyone's just sort of confident it will get done. Um,
1: then get it done. I, like... Yeah, I don't I don't know.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's there's no rush. They can pretty much, you know, they can sign him for, what, 800000 or whatever it is? I think it's,
1: yeah, roughly around there.
2: So I don't think they're in any hurry to get it done, and they're probably trying to find, you know, see what happens closer to the season, see if people are trying to move contract. Who knows? But – are they no worried one seemed... about
1: pissing him off?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, what, what can they do? I mean, They're they're within their rights to take their time. They, I just know...
1: because, okay, it's like this Chris Bryant thing all over again, though, where you're within your rights to do it. But are you willing to potentially poison that well if he comes out and has a really good 2020-21 season? And then he's going to want like a big raise in arbitration. It's like, hey guys, you didn't pay me last time. Pay up now, or else I'm going to be a malcontent.
2: I feel like that's a risk they're willing to take. And I think if I am, and I, you they know, should
1: be willing to take it. I'm, I, yeah. I will say that, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. No,
2: here. for sure. And I am, you know, me. I am the, I am the uh, engineer of the, of the Dylan Strom train. I'm, I think I'm his last fan in town. But I think the Hawks are wise to give him a one year deal you know and then worry about arbitration after next year I think he's going to have a good season but I don't see a scenario where he's going to get five six million in this economy you know even even if they bounce back and have a regular 2021-22 season it's the salaries aren't just going to suddenly jump right I think if there is something that's been beneficial for this it has driven the price of Dylan Strom down a lot I think Um, And I think Dylan Strom is probably aware of that, too. It doesn't help that he didn't have a great season last year and had a really poor playoff. Um, Imagine if they had signed him to a contract when they
1: signed Alex DeBrinkett to a contract, not knowing what was coming down the pipe in terms of the pandemic and stuff. Can you imagine the cap situation they would be in right now?
2: It would be bad. There's no doubt about that. And I think I'm, I'm guilty of saying, lock him up now before he gets better. You know, it's good they didn't. It's good that they were patient. So some of these things, like when we're, not we, just everybody. When we're being critical of Stan Bowman about things, like remember some of the moves he doesn't make are the ones that save them from huge, huge disasters down the road. Right, like not signing Strome prematurely after a really nice first season with the Hawks is sort of the anti-Seabrook. Right? It's, it's like the opposite of that. Of that He's whole thing. paying his penance is what's happening. Exactly. All right, let's do this. Let's take a time out. We'll come back. We'll answer a couple emails, then we'll wrap up this podcast. Uh, Thanks for being with us here. I know it's a slow time in hockey, but in a couple weeks, hopefully the puck will have dropped and we'll have a whole bunch of games to talk about. We'll be right back with your email questions on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.
1: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
2: The email segment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you today by our friends at Mariska's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. Look, we've talked about all these small businesses that support our podcast. You can help us out by supporting them. They need your help during a pandemic more than ever. Mariska's, they've been around since 1933. They're well-established, and even they're feeling the pinch a little bit. So if you're out in the Crest Hill area, do yourself a favor, first of all, head out to Mariska's, get yourself a poor boy, get yourself that double baked potato, get yourself the onion rings, and you're gonna feel so happy that you did. And you'll be back again and again. I mentioned the poor boy, that's what they're world famous for. It is the Cadillac of poor boys. It's absolutely delicious, but really everything on the menu at Mariska's is terrific. You can tell that the place has been family owned by the same family, by the same people for what? Almost a hundred years now. So go visit them again, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Go support local business, support our friends at Marishka's. Got an email here from Ed in LA. I must say, regardless of openness or inclusiveness of fan base by the front office, I'm not optimistic or eagerly looking forward to a rebuilding year by the Hawks. In the past four seasons... The Hawks have finished last in the Central except one year when they finished slightly ahead of the Wild. They're, they've not been a playoff contender either, and this year they realistically should not have been in the playoffs. Yeah, this short year was better and more exciting, but the root causes for, of their fall from grace are still evident. I am not on board on the bad bandwagon if the Hawks are going to get embarrassed on the ice again and lose more games than they win, finish in the Central basement again and rebuild. I won't listen. Or participate it's been a bad four years and i'm not going to be enthusiastic or optimistic about another losing season that's from ed in la so interesting i i i think what ed is saying and I, and I kind of agree with this part of it if it's going to be more of the same of what it's been the last four years then no i don't want that but if they are truly looking at at development if they're truly looking at giving young guys a chance over old guys then sign me up they can't do anything about the core they can't move those deals it's impossible especially with the pandemic it's nearly impossible to make that happen so if they're actually going to let young players play and have some veterans sit I'm on board but if it's going to be more of the same no it's and it's it's also not going to work that's the other thing
1: I was going to actually bring that up. I was going to say if they continue trying to do what they've been doing, it will not work as it hasn't worked the last three or four seasons like that. That's blatantly obvious. So I think that the way I'm looking at this season is that I'm not expecting them to really threaten for a playoff spot, especially with some of the teams that are potentially going to be in their division that are going to end up having to you know, play them a lot. I'm not optimistic about that. I am optimistic about seeing whether these guys like the Kirby Docks and the Boquist and the Mitchells and these types of guys can take that next step forward. I feel like it's a lot like where the Cubs were, say, in 2013, 2014, when you started to see some of the young guys that they had collected start to come up to the major league level. And I'm not saying that guys like Boquist are going to be number one or two type defensemen or anything like that, but at least give me some glimmer of hope. That's like the big thing that – I keep coming back to and I totally get what Ed from L.A. is saying with this email. (laughs) I just really I really hope that the Hawks do give us something to kind of hope for during the season. And I am going to kind of withhold my judgment until we start to see not only that, but also just the way that they approach this whole thing from Jeremy Colleton on down.
2: The other thing I want to reiterate, too, is one of the things that uh, Bowman especially went out of his way to say is that a guy being in Rockford does not mean they're not developing him, right? So while we might get angry and say, why the hell are they sending was down? If they feel like a temporary send down is best for them, it might be tough to uh, reconcile that in real time. But that's something we have to remember that a lot of players get sent back down to sort of reset and reestablish their dominance and get their confidence back before they come up. So I don't think automatically, sending a young guy to Rockford is going to signal that they're not focused on development but if it becomes a trend where you've got Dahan and Murphy and Seabrook playing every night when there's young guys who have looked better not playing that will be a concern not necessarily just this guy's not up when you know he just happens to be younger he also have ha- it has to be To a point where it's not detrimental to his development i'm not saying go all young and throw all caution to the wind because that can damage a prospect and that's the fear there for sure jay this seems like a really good
1: opportunity for me to shamelessly steal an idea that i saw from somebody who was talking to pierre lebrun on twitter i'm going to pass it off as my own i'm going to pretend that i emailed the show (laughs) i'm going to say that i'm i'm jimmy from wicker park and my question is if AHL fan or teams cannot have fans in their building, why don't the NHL and AHL teams just travel together and play the same schedule? So basically the Blackhawks and the Ice Hogs would travel together and would play against not only the NHL team that they'd be playing, but also that team's affiliates. So like the Penguins and the Wilkes-Bar Scranton Penguins, essentially. That way you have a built not only a built-in taxi squad that you can draw from in the event of a pandemic or something like that, and of course you can keep these guys separated so they're not – kind of cross-pollinating so to speak Mm -hmm. but then you would also keep those guys active and keep them developing and get those guys the reps that they need what would Jay
2: Zawaski think of that idea I like the idea I think that you could even if that's not realistic you would just have a giant taxi squad right that practices with the team all the time so maybe you have, you know, your, uh, what is it, uh, Mackenzie Entwistles and and uh, Philip Kurashev's, guys like that traveling with the team. So at a moment's notice, they could be air quotes called up. Uh, the idea of playing a simultaneous schedule, I love it. I think it's great. I wonder, though, about budgets. I wonder about teams having to, pay, you know, we always got to sort of look at the money aspect of these things and... You know those those AHL teams have income that help them operate day to day. And I wonder if the Hawks and other not so much the Hawks, but other NHL teams would be willing to take on the operational costs of traveling an extra twenty five people or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, from a fan standpoint, hell, yes.
1: I, I, don't I think the I think the idea is just that if they're not go- if the options are either travel with the a- NHL team and play, Kind of a mirror schedule or not play at all. I feel like the playing the mirrored schedule, especially after putting the kibosh on last season, would maybe be a better idea just in general in terms of development and all that. But your point about obviously the cash outlay and how much that would potentially
2: cost is obviously very well taken. It's funny. I was thinking about this when the Cubs did not tender Albert Elmora. I'm like, oh, I wonder how Albert did when he got sent down to Iowa. Oh, yeah he didn't <laughs> no one did anything
1: <laughs> he he played some like sim games i guess right with, in yeah. south
2: bend <laughs> yeah right so i don't know that that's an element that i've not uh thought of very much but yeah that's a that's a good thought i i would think the most realistic solution will be you know you've got 30 people on your traveling team right on your traveling party uh and well, your... you're gonna
1: travel with that many people you might as well have them play sure yeah. What are you worried about the shipping costs for extra sticks?
2: No, no, no. I'm just saying. Um, I just don't know the leg- like the business logistics, like insurance, like all those sort of things that that people like us don't think about. There's there's got to be some absolutely not reason they can't do that, right? Maybe they can. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm just trying to think of it from the other side as Thank a fan you for the question, yes. Jimmy in Wicker Park. That was a good question from Jimmy. He should email more often. All right, got an email here from David. He says, guys, I love the interview with Kendall Coyne Schofield. She seemed extremely passionate and energetic about the sport and her new position. Listening to the follow-up of the interview, you guys mentioned that Chicago may be a landing spot for a women's hockey team and that they could even be called the Blackhawks. Let me That led me to think of this question. If the ladies were to be called the Blackhawks, would the, this give the NHL's Hawks a chance to use the women's team to try out an alternate logo? Huh. If it's deemed a success, begin a transfer to the NHL team um maybe why the hell not yeah and and that conversation sort of came as james and i were discussing the reverse retro jerseys um that that was sort of an opportunity for the hawks to try to phase out the blackhawks logo and they they opted not to um yeah and and just to be clear kendall sort of said she would like the nhl to get on board in supporting a women's league that has their full backing and that's what sort of led to that conclusion i don't know if it's going to happen um, but it, it's Kendall's idea. And, and look, her having the ear of people in the Blackhawks organization can only help something like that ultimately happen. And I think James, we sort of speculated that if, if that were to happen, it'd probably be the original six. It wouldn't be every team um, or, you know, like five to 10 select teams to make it happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm open for anything. I think I'm trying to think of like the meatball response to these things. And if you give the women a a bird logo or whatever it would be, mm-hmm. h- what percentage of people are like they're wearing the uniform that the ladies wear? I'm not wearing that. I you know I don't think we should cater to those people anymore at all. Um, but I know that marketing people think that way too. Um, but I'm down for it. I'm you know I think that we've discussed the logo ad nauseum. We don't need to keep doing it. But like it or not, within the next five to seven years, I think that logo will be changed so however they want to roll it out and try it out go for it
1: yeah and i think that it, it the idea of a soft rollout i know i kind of came out against that at least a little bit when it came to the reverse retro that i thought that if you're going to do it just do it like kind of slow pedaling it seems like kind of a you know not not necessarily a half-ass way to do it but just like i would rather them be as upfront about it as possible and just say this is the new logo deal with it don't approach it the way the cleveland indians have kind of been approaching it yeah I guess is what i would say but i can see the value in doing it either in that way or doing it the way that our list the listener suggested where you potentially have a women's team use it like i can see that that could potentially be a good idea to kind of introduce it to tweak it to do what you need to do to bump it up to the nhl level but i also think that The Blackhawks would be better served if they just said, you know what, this is the new logo. If you don't like it, deal with it and just kind of deal with whatever fallout you're going to have to deal with with that or deal with whatever, you know, voices of support that you're probably going to get for that. I think I would rather do it that way, but I still do like the idea a lot of having a system similar almost to what the Premier League does in England where they have... Arsenal has a men's team and a women's team, and right. they're both named Arsenal. They both wear the crest. They have the same jerseys and everything. I could see the Blackhawks doing that, and then doing that with a women's team I think would be a really awesome and a really cool idea.
2: Yeah, that would be – I'm down for that. And it, it's, I know that people listening to this are, are get frustrated when we talk about the logo. Let me ask you this, though. When yesterday, when the Washington football team beat the, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, Did that win not feel as good because there wasn't a cartoon Native American on the side of their helmet? No,
1: frankly, I think their helmets look better with the numbers on them anyway. Right,
2: but you're not, you're not, you don't love the team. You, I get why you love the logo. I, I love the logo too. I, I do. I love the Blackhawks logo. It's all over my house like i'm in my office here i can see it in like 15 different directions i don't know uh, if i
1: told you this jay but if they change the logo the gestapo will come to your house and take every piece of blackhawks branded memorabilia you have oh
2: man just don't take my uh my jocelyn tebow uh, mcfarland sports pick that's my prize <laughs> possession <laughs> all right one more email before we wrap things up this is from chad in cape cod Ooh, fancy cape cod Ooh. home of those really delicious chips he said, Jay broke the news about this time last year with the story that the Blackhawks brass had arranged a meeting with Calton to tell him he needed to change up his system and return to the style of play he employed the year before or hit the road. My God, question it's is... been a year since that all. Uh, it's been more than a year because that was November. It was early November. Good Lord. My question is, one, was John McDonough a key participant in that meeting and two... If so, does his departure or other changes in hockey ops mean we'll see a return to the forwards playing closer to the crease, slower breakouts, and more dump and chase in 21? Love the show and hope your both your holidays are off to a great start. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate that. Uh, as far as I understand it, yes, John McDonough was involved in that meeting. Uh, as for the other thing, I think you're going to see uh, closer to what we like than what we don't. I don't think you're going to see the Hawks return to the boring uh, let's not get scored on prevent hockey. They were playing early last season, because here's the thing. All it did was get them scored on over and over again. It did (laughs) not work. Even if they were like, it's one thing if they were Minnesota uh, wilding and New Jersey deviling everybody to a two, one win, it's boring, but you're getting results. But what led to that meeting, if you recall, was the ass whooping At the hands of the Sharks, I think the Sharks beat them five to one and the Sharks were awful, like the worst team in the league at that point. And they skated circles around the Hawks because I don't know, the guys didn't like the system or the system didn't work, whatever the reason was, the Hawks were getting pummeled and not preventing goals. And it just didn't work. So if they go back to that, I'll be totally shocked. And based on everything we've heard this offseason, it doesn't sound like that's the plan from an X's and O's standpoint. Listen to Cowton with uh, Powers and Lazarus. He was on with them, and it was really good, really insightful.
1: He was also really insightful with us, Jay. Cowton. We didn't talk to Cowton. Oh, sorry. You're right. We talked to Bowman. God, this, <laughs> this year has been stupid, and I think it's honestly made me kind of dumb. <laughs> Speaking of
2: t-shirt ideas, Madhouse Podcast. This year's been stupid.
1: <laughs> I think we would sell a lot of those t-shirts to non-podcast <laughs> listeners, and I would be totally fine with that.
2: Yeah, this year's been stupid, the end.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, I will say that, like, I, I I don't think they need to go back to the system that they were using that precipitated that whole meeting. Like, I think that we would be a lot better off if, you know, they didn't
2: do that. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, I, I think that... Honestly, I'm hoping that McDonough didn't have that big of an impact on the way that the hockey team on the ice operated. Like, I get being in on the meeting or whatever, but what what exactly is his role in that? Like, is it not good marketing to have the team dumping and chasing? Like, I'm not sure why he should have a loud voice in that. But I can also see then why you would want you know guys like Colleton and Bowman to have the you know, the final say, I guess, and not to have that kind of almost meddling from McDonough. But I I think that I don't think the Blackhawks are going to go back to that. I don't think that their roster fits that, and I don't think it will fit that with the young guys that they're bringing in. I think they are a lot better team when they're able to operate quickly and transition and they're able to get the puck up the ice really quickly and they're able to drive into the zone with possession. That needs to be the way that they approach things because – dump and chase with a team that doesn't really have the forward speed to do it is real real ugly and i don't think the blackhawks need to go back to that
2: let's just say this i'd rather have the hawks lose seven to five than five to one
1: thank you yes agreed it gives you a better it gives you a better chance to be in games Yes. That's what it boils
2: down to. Use the firepower you have up front, and it's going to be YOLO time in the back because even if your defense, <laughs> is, you've got goalies that have played a combined like four seconds of NHL time. I, so- I love the. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> I keep forgetting about this. The Blackhawks are home. Oh, they're goaltending, dude.
2: Yeah. Oh. It's going to be like 8 5 games all the time.
1: It's going to feel like the 80s. It's going to feel like we're snorting cocaine and riding a dirt bike over a ring of fire through a roller coaster or something i don't even know
2: yes it's going to feel like we're sniffing cocaine wink wink
1: wow we're you know what this is why we don't uh, live stream video stream our podcasts
2: <laughs> oh yeah we better wrap this up <sighs> my teeth are itchy all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We know it's been a slow off season, but we're close. We're so close. We'll be back soon. As soon as news warrants, uh, probably at some point next week. I don't know why my voice got so high there. Must be the cocaine. But we do appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate your support. Uh, throughout this whole thing Uh, best way to support us is to support our sponsors triple threat sports mariska's fry the coop and of course dr squatch go to drsquatch.com, use that promo code madhouse 20 to save on your order it is a perfect gift for the holidays for my partner james Naveau, my name is jay zawoski this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by
0: Fry the Coop. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands, and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.